Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, this is the last week of our series, A Walk with Abraham. And last week we looked at Genesis 13. And in Genesis 13, we saw two people. We saw Abram and we saw Lot. And if you remember, they were living in such abundance that the text actually says that the land could not support Abram and Lot. So in Genesis 13, eight, we see what Abram does about this. It says, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want and we'll separate. If you want the land on the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the land on the left. How many of you know you only have that kind of confidence when you know that God is with you? Uh, Last week, Pastor Jacob said something so powerful. He said, God doesn't bless places God blesses people, and wherever God's people go, that place becomes blessed. And as children of God, just so you know, that same blessing that's on Abram, it's on you. So whenever you walk into a new place, that place becomes blessed because we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So if God is for me, who can be against me? Abram's saying, go wherever you want. It doesn't matter. I know that God is with me. Now let's look at verse 10. It says, Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley and the direction of Zor, and the whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord of the beautiful land of Egypt. Verse 11, and Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and look at this, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom, just right on the edge. The Bible's very clear that this city, Sodom, was extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. This is where Lot has decided to pitch his tent. This is where we left off last week, and this morning we're going to jump years later to Genesis 19, and something interesting happens. In Genesis 19, we see Lot, and this brother is not living on the edge of sin anymore. The Bible actually says that Lot is now living right in the middle of the city of sin. Because when you live a life of compromise, when you live a life getting closer and closer to sin, it's only a matter of time before you end up living right in the middle of it. Yeah. Do you know that as Jesus followers, you and I were never created to live a life bordering the edge of sin, seeing how close we can get? We were never created to live a life of compromise. I love what A.W. Tozer says happens when you decide to live a life of compromise. He says, one compromise here, another compromise there, and soon enough, the so-called Christian and the man in the world look the exact same. You know, as Christians, you and I were never called to look like the world. (laughs) The Bible's very clear. We're called to be in it, but not of it. Matthew 5.13 calls this being the salt of the earth. 
You see, when the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, there should be something tangibly different about you. You should walk different. You should talk different. You shouldn't be able to go places other people go. Oftentimes as Jesus followers, we wanna influence the world while looking just like the world. <laughs> Let me tell you this morning, you'll never influence the world by trying to be like it. Now we're called to be set apart. And the story that we see, very opening of this story, it's just wild that we see Lot living right in the middle of the city of sin. And now God has decided to destroy the city because of its wickedness. Now it's important to know this city that we're reading about, Sodom and Gomorrah, this is not one of the most wicked cities. This is the most wicked city in all of the Bible. Like this city is so wicked, the Bible says that God decides to destroy it. And before he decides to destroy it, he sends two angels to rescue Lot and his family. And, and just listen to this. The Bible says that when the men of the city, old and young, meaning everyone in the city, when they heard that there were angels at Lot's house, they showed up to Lot's house and said, bring the angels out so we can sleep with them. This is how broken, dark, perverted this city was. And where we pick up this morning is in Genesis 19:15, where we see these two angels rescuing Lot and his family from a city that will soon be destroyed. Let's read Genesis 19:15. It says, as morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Come on, say it with me. But he did what? He lingered. Wow. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. And that was the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the city. Let's jump to verse 23. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. And look at this in verse 26. It says, but Lot's wife behind him did what? What does she do? She looked back and she became a pillar of salt. This morning, if you're taking notes, I wanna to talk to you from this thought. I wanna to talk to you about the pain of living in the past. The pain of living in the past. Oh, how painful that can be, huh? I was reading a book recently by a guy named uh, Henry Cloud and the book is called Necessary Endings. And there's a quote in that book, it says, entrances into new seasons must first be preceded by exits out of old ones. In other words, you can't step into a new thing until you first step out of an old one. And when I read that, it was, it was a gut punch. It was convicting because I immediately realized that there were areas of my life that I needed to step out of. There were some old friendships that I'd been tolerating that needed to be shut down. There were some habits, some things that I was doing that I didn't want anyone to know about that. I couldn't play along with any longer. It needed to be put to death. Because here's what I've discovered. Any doors in my past that I'm not willing to close 
becomes an open door of temptation for my future. What we actually see in this story is any door in your past that you're unwilling to close, even an angel can't take you to your destiny. How often do we come to church begging God to do something for us that we're unwilling to do for ourselves? Isn't this what we see in the story reading with Lot's wife? In the story reading, the angel communicates one thing just one thing. The whole city's burning down. The angel's doing her a favor. I'm rescuing you, dude. I'm just asking one thing. Don't look back. And what does she do? She does what? She looks back. Why did Lot's wife look back? Lot's wife looked back because she prioritized her past over her future. She had lost sight that the promise of God, the best days were ahead. And here we find Lot's wife. Because of her inability to let go of the past, she's stuck in a place that was only meant to be passed through. This morning, I wonder how many of us are stuck in a place that were only meant to be passed through. This morning, this is a, uh, it's really a simple message. I believe there are people here because of the pain of the past You've gotten stuck, and I'm here to tell you something. How far you're able to go, it's based on what you're willing to leave behind. So this morning, if you're taking notes, I wanna give you two things. These are two things in our past that we need to let go of, pastoring people, walking with people, counseling people. Each and every one of us have struggled with these two things. The first one is regret. Come on, say that with me. Say regret. Let me just pull the room for a moment. How many of you have ever said something you regret? Okay, really? Ten of y'all? Okay, well, (laughs) hopefully you regret lying in church because you're a liar now. (laughs) Regret that. Uh, True story, about two years ago, I was at the grocery store and I'm grocery shopping, and, and I have my AirPods in, which is like the universal symbol of don't talk to me. <laughs> I know I'm a pastor. I got to get better at that. I'm in the grocery store, and this woman comes up and literally kind of grabs my car. Hey, and I say, hey, 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 what's going on? You know, like, what's up? And she said, I, I'm sorry. I just have to tell you, just our Savior's church has just changed my life. I just, I, 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 I love the church, and she began to tell her story to me, how she just moved from Texas, and her and her husband and her three kids and know no one, and their biggest prayer was finding a godly community, and through Lafayette campus, and people, she began to name people here, and just, this is just their home, and I'm just, I was just, wow, thank you so much for sharing that, and I just, we began to talk back and forth about what God was doing in her and her family, and, and about halfway through the conversation, it became evident to me that this, this woman was pregnant, so I just... I said, hey, tell me, you know, like, what do you have? And you having a boy, a girl? Like, like what, what are you having? She said, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what kind of monster am I? <laughs> oh. You know, and at that point, you're like, you're already in, so you got to commit. So. 
There ain't no going back from that moment. And I said, I said well, the, the, the baby, the pregnancy, she said, I, I'm not pregnant. So I learned my lesson. You could be nine months pregnant with triplets. I will invite you to kickboxing in the morning. <laughs> Unless you tell me you were pregnant. Oh, I didn't even notice that was there. Crazy. Congratulate. Wow. I'm learning. I'm a young pastor. I'm learning. You know, we can laugh about it now. Man, I, I literally, I'm, I'm serious. I lost sleep for a week over that. I, I mean, I was just like, it literally like robbed me. I've just kept tossing and turning, playing it over again and over again. And like the more I played it over again, the worse it got. And you know the crazy thing about when you do that, when you play it over again, it doesn't change anything. Like I can't go back and change the ending to that movie. There's no, there's no option for me to go and do that. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've said something you regret, you've done something you regret, and now you're just overwhelmed with guilt and shame. Uh, I spent almost a decade in student ministry, and man, I've had conversation after conversation after conversation, specifically with fathers who are so overcome with guilt and shame because they lost time trying to provide for their family, and they missed birthdays, and they missed holidays, and just overcome with, with guilt and shame. And maybe that's you this morning. You're, you're overcome with guilt and shame in an area of your life. I want to just call out the enemy for a moment if I can. The Bible says that God has only given him authority to see to the horizon, meaning he doesn't know your tomorrow. All he knows is your yesterday. So what he does is he uses the pain of your past to beat you over the head in the present and then rob you of the joy of your future. This morning, I, I gotta tell you, there is scripture after scripture that emphasizes the importance of forgetting the past, putting it behind you. We look at scriptures like Philippians 3.13. It says, I focus on one thing. I say it with me, what? For, I forget the past and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. Look at this one, Isaiah 43. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a, I'm doing a new thing. There are people here this morning, I, I just need you to hear me. You need to forgive yourself. Just forgive yourself. Pastor, how can you say that? Because God has forgiven you. Whenever you accept Jesus into your life, the Bible's very clear. Look at 1 John 1, 7. It says, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from what? All sin. Micah 7, 19, your sin is casted into a sea of forgetfulness, which brings me to this point. One of the most harmful things in Christianity, harmful thing, is shame. It's shame. Because shame is when you go back and you decide to relive something God has already decided to forgive. Shame, I want you to see this, is when you go back and you start taking things from Jesus that he's already taken from, from, from you. What's your name, bro, right here with the glasses? Jordan? Jordan, could you imagine if I sold you my truck? Okay, I have a 2020 F-150, Jordan. I, I love my truck. I wouldn't sell my truck, but for this story, I'm selling you my truck. Jordan pays for the truck. He gives me money. There's a payment involved. 
I give him the keys to my truck. It's now Jordan's truck. He brings the title out. He signs Jordan. I sign Joseph. We sign the title. He drives away. It's now his truck. Could you imagine if two years later, I show up to Jordan's house with a spare key? (laughs) And I jump in Jordan's truck and I start it and take off. What would that be called? Stealing. You know why? Because it doesn't belong to me anymore. Shame is when you go back and you start accessing something that no longer belongs to you. The blood of Jesus was enough. And every time you go back and you start reliving the past, what you're saying is it's not enough. First thing that you gotta gotta let go of is you gotta let go of regret. The second thing you need to let go of as I close is, is wounds. Wounds. Now, I want you to see this. Regret are things that happened because of us. But wounds are things that have happened to us. I was, I was doing a counseling session a few weeks back, and there was a couple in their, in their mid-40s. And as soon as we got in the room, the, the wife started telling me how she's so frustrated with her husband because every time there's conflict in the marriage, every time there's conflict in the relationship, um, he leaves, like literally. He gets in his truck and he, he just leaves. And uh, they have three kids and, and now the kids are getting old enough to they're, they're notice dad's leaving. So she, she was just so angry in that sad. She just looked at him and said, well, when are you gonna stop leaving us? <laughs> and he was just sitting there just cold, just wasn't giving it. He didn't want to be in the session. So I, I just started talking to him and prying and prying. And about 10 minutes in, he says, you know what? You, you, you will never understand what I went through growing up. You just, you'll never understand. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, growing up, my dad used to beat us. It's like, I, I grew up until I was about eight years old, like literally I'd go to school with black eyes, like I was beat. And he said, I realized something about 10 years old. When I was 10, I realized that whenever I made a mistake or, or, or whenever I did something wrong, if I just left, if I just got out of his sight long enough for him to almost forget, then it would all be good. And I'm sitting there in this counseling session, I'm looking at this 45-year-old man, and I had this revelation that although he was in his mid-40s, internally there was a 10-year-old little broken boy inside of him. It's wounds. Wounds in your life, it's crazy. It's, it's, although you might grow old because of wounds, you never really grow up. You never really, never really have an opportunity to mature and so many of us are walking around with a little 10-year-old broken boy inside of us. If that's you this morning and you, you're coming in here with a wound, I have good news for you. It's actually the best news. The healer is in the room this morning. Yeah. Psalms 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted binds up their wounds. If you're here and you're holding on to wounds, you got to get healing. 
Because here's what's happened. I, I see it happen all the time walking with people. I'm not sure when it happens, but there comes a moment where if you hold on to hurt too long, you no longer have a hold of it. It has a hold of you. And now your identity or the things that have happened to you and not the God who died on the cross for you. When you read the Bible, you see that God has many names. You see Adonai, which means Lord or Master. You see Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord is my provider. But one of my favorite names is Jehovah Rapha, which means the God who heals. Jehovah Rapha's in the room, and there's healing available to you this morning. But you gotta be first bold enough to surrender the pieces. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this. He says, God can heal a broken heart, but you must be brave enough to first give him all the pieces. Make no mistake, it takes bravery to surrender the brokenness of your life. It takes bravery to say, I'm done holding on to this thing. I can't do this any longer. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been holding on to some pieces. Everyone's pieces look different. Maybe for you, it, it was an absent father that never showed up. Maybe for some of you, it's your disappointment with God and being in this room is difficult for you. Maybe for some of you, like the counseling session earlier, it's an abuse thing, whether a marriage situation or, 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 or father situation. Whatever it is, I wanna encourage you right now, surrender the pieces to the person who makes broken things beautiful. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, I believe there's two groups of people in the room. I think the first group are those that are saying, Pastor, whenever you're talking about uh, the past, <laughs> that's me. I've been paralyzed by my past. I've been replaying that movie of the times my dad should have showed up and never did. And ironically, now I've just become the person that I, I, can't, I can't even recognize anymore. I, I can't do this anymore. I gotta move forward. I gotta let go of this. This regret, <laughs> it's producing guilt and shame in my life. And it's like when I wake up, it's on me. If that's you and, and, and you're ready to stop living in the pain of the past, on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask that you raise your hand so I can pray with you. One, this is your moment. Two, it's time to stop living with that weight. Three, if that's you, raise your hand right now. I wanna pray with you. Hands up all over. Literally all over. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Too many hands to count this morning. Do you put your hands down? Father, I thank you that you are the God that makes broken things beautiful. And the God of the Bible that raised seemingly dead things back to life is still doing it today. There's no situation too broken. There's no marriage too far gone. There's no past or trauma too big for you. 
I thank you that you're a restorer, which just simply means you take messy things that don't make sense and you make them make sense for your glory. I give it to you this morning. We surrender it to you. We can't carry it on our own. We're giving it back to the person who loves us, cares for us, seen us. Yeah. He's in the room. He's healing hearts right now. Holy Spirit. There's the moments where you just wept alone and you felt alone. You were never alone. He was with you then and he's with you now. The second group here, those that are saying, Pastor, I hear you talking about Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. <laughs> Uh, I, I've come to church, I've done the church thing, I've checked the boxes, but I, I, I'm, I can't keep doing this religion thing. I, I don't, I don't want to do that. If a personal relationship with Jesus is what changes everything, I'm in. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about just showing up to show up. I'm not talking about putting on the button shirt and just sitting in a church just to sit in a church. I'm talking about allowing a person who's madly in love with you to come into your life. This is a God who loves you. He loves you for who you really are, not for who you pretend to be. He doesn't want part of you. He doesn't want partial custody of you. Yeah, he wants all of you. If that's you and you say, I I'll do that. I, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. On the count of three, every head bowed, every eyes closed. It's just you and me looking. I'm just gonna ask you to be bold enough to raise your hand so I can pray with you. One, this is your moment. He's been waiting for you. Two, the time is now. Three, if that's you, and you in a personal relationship with Jesus. I see you, raise your, raise your hand right now if that's you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. You can put your hands down. Church family, can we pray this prayer together with those that just made that decision? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is not my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together, celebrate, honor those who just prayed the prayer to be born again. Amen.
And listen, if you'll give me 30 more seconds before I dismiss and pray over you, if you prayed the prayer to be born again, your next step is water baptism. So I'll draw your attention back to this blue connect card. Make sure before you leave today, you fill this card out. Maybe you, maybe you prayed the prayer to be born again, or you're renewing your relationship with Jesus, or you're ready to be water baptized. Make sure you fill this card out. Check that box. That way we can send you the next steps on how to register for baptism, schedule any meetings that you might want to have on what this next step relationship with Jesus life looks like. Listen, as the church, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to help you in this journey of what it looks like to be a follower for him. So make sure you fill this card out and I promise we'll get in touch with you and let you know your next steps. How many of you enjoyed that message from Pastor Joseph? Wasn't it great, everybody?